Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Summer Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's awesome to be with you today. Thank you so much for taking time to join. Today is Wednesday, August 31st. Well, we are concluding our study today of 1 Corinthians taking on tough issues. We've been at this for the last 12 weeks. Today is the last study. We're going to wrap it up by looking at the latter part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, let me give you a little recap of what we talked about last week because it kind of sets up what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about the hope we have because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we were reminded that without the resurrection, we would be lost in our sins and our faith would be worthless. Well, in this final study of 1 Corinthians, we're going to delve into this subject of resurrection more as we look at the nature of the resurrection body and the glorious future that awaits each believer. Got a lot to tell you, but we're going to take a moment right now. Join me in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, thank you for this amazing journey. We've been studying this 1 Corinthians book for the last 12 weeks, and we're going to finish strong today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the many lessons that we've learned, but especially the lesson today about resurrection bodies. We give you all the honor and glory. Thank you for all that have come to participate today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. You know, when we look at the stars, it's hard for our minds to comprehend how many there are and the, just the beauty of what we're seeing. Paul has us try to comprehend something equally as awesome in today's scripture, which is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 to 58, when he shares that our natural body is like a seed and out of it will grow a spiritual body that is incorruptible. Now, here's a few opening questions designed to help us talk about seeds, our bodies, and stargazing. All right, here's first question. What kind of seed have you been most likely to plant in your lifetime? Would it be garden seeds? In other words, I have a green thumb. Maybe seeds of discontent. Perhaps I'm a troublemaker from way back. Maybe seeds of hope. I'm always looking for the positive. Maybe seeds of change. I'm always disrupting the status quo. Or is there some other kind of seed that you've been most likely to plant in your lifetime? I've been really blessed to have a green thumb when it comes to planting plants and things like that. But there's a more important type of planting that I'm working hard at, and that's planting seeds of hope. I have hope because Jesus Christ gave me hope when he saved my life. Now, I'm working hard on looking for the positive in all things at all times, but frankly, there are times when I fall short. But I'm a lot better than I was, and I'm striving to be even more consistent in this. Number two, question. What do you like about your body, and what would you most like to change? I would love to hear your answers on this. Oh, my word. Let me tell you mine. I like my smile, but that's about it. I don't like my thinning hair. I don't like anything else about my body because, frankly, I've just not taken as good a care of it as I should. If I had to say one thing I'd like to change the most, it would definitely be, say it with me, lose weight. I think that's probably going to be a very common answer for many of us. All right, last opening question, number three. When is the last time you remember going out and stargazing? And how did you feel at the time? And what keeps you from doing it more often if you don't do it regularly? 
well, I don't ever remember going out stargazing. You know, I have this picture in my mind that when you go out stargazing, you take your time, you lay on a blanket or you sit in a chair and you just spend time looking at the stars. Sure, I've looked up and I've seen the stars, but not like it's an event or something, like I'm going to do it for a lengthy period of time. That's always amazing to me that when I do look up at the stars, though, to think that God made them all, to think that he breathed out stars. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing. Because I've not done it as a regular activity, I don't look to do it. The only reason I don't do this, I don't stargaze, is I just haven't made it a priority. All right, let's get into the Bible study. As Paul concludes this book, he challenges us to think about eternity. Because of Christ, we have victory over death, and we can focus our lives on making an impact for the kingdom of God. I want you to open your Bible or Bible apps to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 35. We're going to go all the way to 58. And as I'm reading, I want you to note the glory and power that's going to be ours if we press on in this life. Are you ready? Here we go. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, and when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen and amen. All right, let's get to studying. First question, in verses 35 to 37, Paul addresses two questions that were asked by the Corinthian believers. What are they, and how did Paul answer them? The first question was, how will the dead be raised? And the second question was, what kind of bodies will they have? To Paul, both of these questions were foolish. The answers should have been obvious from nature itself. Paul compared the resurrection of believers' bodies with the growth in a garden. He said a seed planted into the ground doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. The plant that grows looks very different from the seed because God gives it a new body. New bodies will not be obtained until the earthly bodies have died, and those new bodies will be different from the present bodies. Number two, question. In verses 40 to 41, Paul continues to provide more clarity regarding resurrection bodies. What does he say? He said that the heavenly bodies, in other words, the sun, moon, and stars, differ greatly from earthly bodies. Each kind of body has its own kind of substance created and controlled by God. Each is appropriate to its sphere of existence, and each has its own kind of glory or radiance. God made many different types of bodies. Certainly, he can arrange and govern the existence of the resurrection body. Indeed, he can and does, and will continue. Number three, question. In verses 42 through 44, what are the main differences that Paul points out between the physical body and the resurrection body? Like a seed that is sown and then grows into a glorious new plant, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead, it says. Believers' present physical bodies will be different from their resurrection bodies. First, earthly bodies die and decay, but resurrected bodies will never die. Death eventually takes everyone. Those raised with Christ, however, will have bodies that will live forever. Physical bodies disappoint us, but resurrection bodies will be full of glory. Physical bodies are weak, but resurrection bodies will be, as it says, raised in strength. Physical bodies are natural and human, but resurrected bodies will be spiritual. Number four, question. In verse 45, how does Paul contrast Adam with Christ? Paul quoted from scriptures to point out the difference between these two kinds of bodies. Genesis 2-7 speaks of the first man, Adam, becoming a living person. Adam was made from the dust of the ground and given the breath of life from God. Every human being since that time shares the same characteristics. But the last Adam, Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Just as Adam was the first of the human race, so Christ is the first of those who will be raised from the dead to eternal life. Amen to that. Number five, question. In verse 49, Paul says, Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What does Paul mean by that? Because all humanity is bound up with Adam, so every human being has an earthly body just like Adam's. Earthly bodies are fitted for life on this earth, yet they have the characteristics of being limited by death, disease, and weakness. But believers can know with certainty that their heavenly bodies will be just like Christ's, imperishable, eternal, glorious, and filled with power. 
At this time, all are like the earthly man, who is Adam. One day, all believers will be like the heavenly man, Jesus Christ. Number six, question. In verses 51 to 52, Paul reveals a secret to the Corinthians. What is it, and what does it mean? The secret Paul reveals was knowledge given to him by divine revelation from Christ. The phrase, we will not all die, means that some Christians will still be alive at the time of Christ's return. They will not all have to die before they get their new resurrection bodies. Instead, they will all be transformed immediately. A trumpet blast will usher in the new heaven and earth. Christ will return and the dead will be raised out of the graves with transformed bodies. Those still alive will be transformed, also receiving their new bodies. This change will happen instantaneously for all Christians, whether they're dead or alive. All will be made ready then to go with Christ. I'm so excited to hear that. Gosh, that's going to be great. Number seven. Verse 56 says, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. What does Paul mean by this? If it were not for sin, there would be no sting that results in death. If it were not for the law, then sin would have no power. But the law declares sin, and the wages of sin is death. Take a look at Romans 6.23 and Romans 7, verses 7 through 20. Because the law sets standards that cannot be reached, all people are condemned as sinners. For those who have not had their sins pardoned at the cross of Christ, death is not a passage to eternal life, but an enemy with a terrible sting. It is not annihilation or nothingness. It is the doorway to judgment. But verse 57 gives us hope because it says, But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And now our last question for today, the final question of our study here in 1 Corinthians number 8. In the closing verse, verse 58, Paul gives the Corinthians several quick uplifting commands. What are they? First, he says they should be strong. Paul wants them to be faithful to the Lord in his teaching about the Lord, to keep going, to never give up. Next, he said they should be immovable. Paul is very concerned about the Corinthians' tendencies to compromise their behavior and even their beliefs for the sake of the culture in which they live. And lastly, he says they should always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Paul has been clear that God gives each believer ways in which to serve him. So the Corinthians should be serving with enthusiasm. This work they do for the Lord is guaranteed to continue to matter for eternity compared to so much of life that will cease to have meaning in years, days, or even minutes. Even after all the issues Paul has tackled in this letter, including the variety of ways the Christians in Corinth were misunderstanding God's will and mistreating each other, Paul identifies them as belonging to the Lord. At no time is their salvation cast in doubt because of these misconceptions. Paul is convinced that they are in Christ and that one day they will be resurrected to new glorified bodies in which they're going to spend eternity with the Father. Paul remains confident in the grace of God because of the Corinthians' faith in Christ and despite all of their failings. Well, folks, that does it. We have reached the end of our 13-week journey through 1 Corinthians. I hope that you have found this time encouraging, challenging, and I hope you have found it applicable to your daily lives. Now, if you've missed any of these studies previously, you can always go back and review them right here 
on this media platform. Next week, I'm going to be starting a new Bible study series, and I hope you'll join me right here for that. I would love to tell you what it's going to be, but I'm just not sure yet. I have been working hard to try to see what the Lord has in store, but I don't have a clear picture yet. But we are going to be Bible studying next Wednesday. So please, whatever the title is, we'll let you know as quickly as we can. But I hope you'll come back same time whenever you can. It'll be right here on this platform for you. And it's going to be awesome. Why? Because we're studying the Word of God. And it's always awesome anytime we get a chance to do that. Well, thanks for taking time once again to join me over this last journey. I so appreciate you being here. It's just a joy to me to know that we can study together. Please take care. Have an amazing rest of your day and week. God bless you and your families. I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www whccnb.org Word of Hope Christian Church Real people A real God Real hope